today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Peter here is, is very clear as he tells us that God reserves the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. There is coming that great day of judgment when all of the wicked of the earth are going to be punished, punished for eternity. And it's not simply because they've done bad things. You need to realize this. God's punishment on the unjust and on the wicked is not simply because they've done these wicked things, because they've done these bad things. Their punishment comes, why? Because they've rejected the grace of God through Jesus Christ. No matter how convicted we are to share the truth with others, God's judgment on mankind isn't always easy to discuss. As many of us would agree, a message of love, peace, and grace is much easier than one of sin and judgment. However, as Pastor David will teach us in today's study, God's judgment is an inescapable reality that each and every one of us is confronted with. In our study, we learn that this judgment isn't merely for sin, but the rejection of the only one who can save us from it. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message, False Personalities, from the book of 2 Peter chapter 2. going to begin in the second portion of verse 9 of chapter 2 of 2 Peter, where he says that the unjust, that God will reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of the uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous. They're self-willed. They're not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. But these, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, they speak evil of the things they do not understand, and they will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery, they cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices, and they are accursed children. Do you think that Peter is trying to tell us something here? Man, as I I look at this, I see again just all these things that he lists. And as I was studying it this week, I thought of these personality 
quizzes. Uh, you can get them all over the internet. Sometimes maybe at your job, uh, they've, they've called for you to take a personality quiz to kind of see who and what. You, anybody in here ever take one of those personality quizzes? Uh, I, I've taken a few of them during uh, my life, and most of them have just been fun times just on the internet and just kind of see who you are. One thing that I've noticed, if you ever really want to get a good, solid answer on a personality quiz, it's probably best just to ask your spouse, okay? Uh, what you really are, because let's face it, on these personality quizzes, you're, you're, you're making yourself look a little bit better probably than what you really are. Well, as we look at some of these personality quizzes, sometimes they're difficult to answer. Uh, the, the, the response to them simply needs to be yes or no or true or false, when in reality, you want to say something like, well, sort of, and uh, well, there's some days that I'm like that, and then there's other days, and it depends upon who I'm dealing with, okay? So there seems to be a lot of variables that you want to put in these things, but they don't allow you. These questions or these quizzes, they usually, they want to tell you whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. They want to find out and help you understand that you're a person that deals mainly in mercy or maybe you're a real judgmental type of a person. Whether or not you're a thinker and you think through the logic of things or you simply move by the emotion of the moment. They want to find out whether you're a team player or whether you're that lone wolf, you know, the lone ranger. Hey, I got this, I got this covered. Yeah, but this is a group project. That's okay. I don't need you guys. I've got it covered. Besides that, I can do better than all of you guys anyway, and I got a handle on this. And, you know, they, they want to they find out what type of a personality you are, whether you're calm and collected or whether you're that type of person that's always kind of moving out and you're tense and filled with anxiety all the time. I was thinking about these types of tests, and again, as I look at this, I see Peter actually giving a, a whole list of personality types of these false teachers, of these false prophets. And I believe that he hits them pretty much right on target. When we look at this, or before we get into it, let's remember first where we left off last week in this. We left off last week in that first portion of verse 9 of chapter 2, where Peter says, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. And we spoke again of how God saved Noah and his family when he was going to pour out all of his wrath and destroy the world through the flood. God still was able to save those eight people, Noah, his wife, his sons, and their spouses. We also spoke about how God literally snatched Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah just again as his wrath was being poured out to utterly and completely destroy those cities and those communities that surrounded them. God can and God does deliver the godly. Amen? He will watch over. He will care. It doesn't mean that we won't go through problems, but we also know that God is the deliverer of those that are his. We also know that God will punish the unjust. God will punish and show no mercy on the unmerciful. Peter here is is very clear as he tells us that God reserves the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. There is coming that great day of judgment when all of the wicked of the earth are going to be punished, punished for eternity. And it's not simply 
because they've done bad things. You need to realize this. God's punishment on the unjust and on the wicked is not simply because they've done these wicked things, because they've done these bad things. Their punishment comes, why? Because they have rejected the grace of God through Jesus Christ. That's why their punishment comes. But then I believe that the word speaks very clearly that there are levels of punishment for those that have acted wickedly, those that have, again, persecuted and gone against and done uh, great atrocities and perverse things in the world, that those things, again, will be punished with a harsher judgment. Listen to what he says in verse 10, that this punishment on that great day of judgment is coming. He says, especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous. They're self-willed. They're not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Peter here says, especially those. And this is the idea of, again, chiefly those or particularly those or to a greater degree, those that walk according to the flesh in the lust of the and on and on he goes. Levels of judgment because, again, of who they are and what they've done. The Lord brings particular judgment on those who have led others astray also. These false teachers, these false prophets, there's going to be a particular punishment for them. That's the wickedness of these false teachers, of these false prophets. They profess to be spokesmen and spokeswomen for the Lord, and yet they lead people into destruction. They'll even use the word of God in the midst of that. That's one of the great dangers about most of these false teachers, these false prophets. Yeah, they'll use a little bit here, a little bit there of the word of God and lead people into destruction from it. And when the word of God says that there's a particular and that there's a greater judgment on those who will bring harm on the great shepherd's flock, you need to understand that God's going to be faithful in that. Don't mess with his flock. That's in essence what the message is here. Don't mess with the flock of God because God will cover, God will protect and keep his sheep. Peter, he gives these personality traits of these ones and it's like a whole laundry list of the wicked attitudes of the hearts of the the actions of these men and also of these women who are false teachers and false prophets. He says that they walk according to the flesh. They walk according to the flesh. The tense of that verb that's written here in the Greek is not only in a present sense, but it's a continual sense. They continually are walking in the flesh. They're continually looking for and finding ways to be able to indulge the desires of their carnal appetites. They just look for those things. They walk with that kind of attitude. Okay, what's the next bit of wickedness that I can get into? What's the next thing that I can find to to fill whatever craving is within my heart? Not paying any attention to the consequences of those choices, of those walks, not paying any attention or any care for how the consequences of those decisions are going to impact the other people that are around them. All they want to do, they diligently search to fill that perverseness of their own lives. Why? Because, as Peter says, they are also filled with the lust of uncleanness 
filled with the lust of uncleanness, overflowing with that desire, that, that pollution of their own, uh, their own moral contamination, but also elsewhere the word says they even delight in bringing others into that same kind of a thing. Why do they do that? Because again, that's who they are. They're, 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 they're the moral dumpster divers of, of the culture. It's like, again, they just look for opportunities for, for the filth and for the, for the contamination, for the pollution of their own lives. They don't live their lives in any kind of order. Their lives are totally out of the order that God has set forth. They're total lacking that moral compass within their lives. And because of that, Peter even says, they even despise authority. These are men and women who want no other rule over them. They won't accept accountability from anyone. They, they, they won't accept it, whether it be from pastoral instruction or a church board instruction or government authorities or even spiritual dominions. And yet what they're failing to understand is they're already being ruled over by that dominion of darkness. As soon as they said, God, I'll have no part of you, guess what? They've allowed themselves then to be controlled and ruled by that, that dominion of darkness, by that one that's seeking to destroy their souls anyway. And just as we read uh, earlier on in these verses, they have already denied the Lord. And in so doing, they've surrendered themselves to Satan. They, they walk around and they declare, pretty much, I'm, I'm my own man or my own woman, as the case may be. And yet in reality, they're, they're just like livestock with a ring in their nose. And they think that they're in control, but the enemy of their souls just tugs on that ring and off they go. And that tugs on the ring and off they go. Oh, but I'm in control of my life. Isn't that really ridiculous when you look at it and you understand? No, they're not. They may think they are, but they're doing the bidding of the enemy. They're doing the bidding of Satan in their lives by their attitudes and by their actions. God has placed an order in the world. He's placed authority in the world all throughout all of his creation. And these men, these women despise that kind of authority. Peter also tells us that they are presumptuous, presumptuous. There's, there's this boldness, there's a, a daring in their life that, again, carries with it no idea, no thought, no concern for the consequences in their own lives or in the consequences of anyone else. These are the ones that live for a moment. Either they willfully ignore or they're simply uh, ignorant of the reality of the consequences of their actions and how, how they live their lives today and they may think, hey, this is great. I'm getting everything that I want out of life. There's gonna be a consequence maybe in this life, but for certain in the next life that they'll be paying. Peter also says that they're self-willed, self-willed. They're, 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 they're obsessed by their own self-pleasure. Nothing else taken into consideration. Their life is continually doing their own thing, doing their own desire. These false teachers, these false prophets, they're so internally focused, not in any kind of a good way, but in an absolute narcissistic way. They're, they're, they're excessive in their sense of self-importance. They uh, have this extreme preoccupation with themselves, and they totally lack empathy with others. 
And again, I believe that you can look again at some of the ministries that are going on in the world today. And you can see this very kind of idea. They push for their way. They push for their will without regard for anyone else. Again, self becomes the very center of their universe. And for a love gift of $50 or more, we will send you an eight and a half by 11 picture of me. That's kind of the idea and the thought. And if you want to give 500, uh, maybe I'll give you a phone call just to bless your life. Uh, These kinds of things where it's so much about self and it's not about Jesus. It's not about the encouragement and the uplifting and the growth of the flock of God. They are building within themselves their own little kingdom. Peter then brings out a very particular personality trait of these false ones. He says they're not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Now that's not dignitaries as far as kings and princes so much as it is in the spiritual realm. And this, this I believe, is the most dangerous of all of these traits. Why? Because they have no fear of the spiritual world. The spiritual world for them, really, uh, they think that they are in total control and they have absolute power even over the spiritual world. And I'm not saying that there's not a need for, uh, uh, again, to be afraid of, or that we need to be afraid of, again, uh, demonic spirits or Satan. I'm not saying that we don't need to, or that we need to be afraid because we don't need to be afraid of those. But yet at the same time, we do need to have a healthy understanding and a healthy respect for that spiritual realm. Beloved, because it is different and it responds different than we are. But they have absolutely no care. And even as it says there, they they speak these things, again, these accusations. We read about in reference to this thing in that parallel verses that are found in Jude. In Jude verse nine and 10, Jude tells us that even Michael, the archangel, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, he didn't dare, he didn't dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him. But he said, the Lord rebuke you. And yet these men, these false teachers, these false prophets, these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and what things they do understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals. These are the very things that destroy him. Again, these are areas that you don't dare walk into lightly. And Peter tells us here in verse 11 that angels, angels who are greater in power and might, they don't bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. So even angels don't, again, speak in the matter and in the, 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 the flippantness of these false teachers. Peter goes on to say, uh, again, these corrupt personalities, these corrupt traits and these actions of these false teachers. In verse 12, he says, but these, like brute beasts, they're, they're made to be caught and destroyed. They speak evil of the things that they don't understand, and they will utterly perish in their own corruption. 
they will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. He says they are spots and they're blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you, while they're part of the body of Christ. All of this deception, all of this corruption is within them. It says in verse 14, they have eyes full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin and they entice unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices. They are accursed children. The unfortunate thing, as Peter says here, these false teachers, these false prophets, they're found throughout the visible church. And I don't believe that there's any barriers of denominations or, or church types either. I'm not so naive to think that, oh, they're all around the church except here. We know that we don't have any false teachers or false prophets here. They have arisen through the years. We've had them in our midst through the years. Now, they are visible or they're there within the visible church, but they are not a part of what is the true church. They may be in fellowship and they may try to pass themselves off as believers, but by their actions, by their attitudes, by their motives, they declare just the opposite, that they're not true believers. As they make themselves at home here within the church, they continue to walk on in their own deception, in their own lies. And Peter says here that their heart is so set on evil that they cannot cease from sin. Wow, that's pretty powerful. They cannot cease from sin. And in the midst of their sin, they draw to themselves these unstable souls. It seems pretty apparent with Peter's writings here and with his words that their heart is not the Lord's. These are not born-again people. They're not those that have simply slipped for a moment or for a season in their life and fallen away from the Lord. No, these are ones, as Peter says, they will utterly perish in their own corruption. They will receive the wages of unrighteousness. They have a heart that's trained in covetous practices. They are accursed children. That doesn't sound like saved people to me, does it? No, these, again, they, 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 they have this continual, habitual attitude, this heart of sin, an unrepentant lifestyle. They can't be children of God's kingdom, according to what I read within the word of God. They are, as Peter says, they are accursed children of darkness. And even though they walk among the ranks of the redeemed, we move on in verse 15, Peter tells us the sad reality I believe that what he's saying is that they had heard the truth. It had been declared to them, I believe, perhaps for every Sunday for years. And he says in verse 15, yet they have forsaken the right way and they've gone astray. They're following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. That story of the prophet Balaam, it's a great one. There's a lot of lessons within that story that we're not gonna have time to look at today. So that means your homework assignment is, is to go home and read Numbers 22, 23, 24, 25. Oh, and also put in chapter 31 too because that kind of ties everything together about Balaam. In essence, we find that Balaam was a for-profit prophet. 
okay? He was paid for his prophecies. And it didn't seem like at the beginning, anyway, that there was a a problem. It seemed like he wanted to hear from the Lord. But then again, uh, he, he just again, became more and more enamored, I believe, by the finances of the thing. And you can look at that because we find out that he definitely did use his understanding of the people of Israel to draw them away from faithfulness to the Lord. We're so delighted you were able to join us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of 2 Peter. If today's message has sparked your interest and you want to hear more, we invite you to visit theopenword.com to find teachings throughout Scripture from Pastor David. Another great way to hear each new teaching as it's made available is to subscribe to the Open Word podcast on iTunes. You'll never miss a teaching and you'll have it available to you no matter where you go. You'll find a link at theopenword.com. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. And here to bring you a personal invitation to join us is Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. You know, I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Word of God. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning, as well as Wednesday evening and Saturday evening at 6.30. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thank you, Pastor David. If you're in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, be sure to drop in soon to experience a service with our group of imperfect but redeemed believers. Once again, you'll find service times and directions along with more information about us when you visit theopenword.com. That's all we have time for today, but be sure to join us again for more insights into the book of 2 Peter right here on The Open Word. Make us more.